The future is coming. Make it brighter with Squarespace, which makes it easy to turn your idea into a unique website. Showcase your work, blog, or publish content, even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. You can customize everything from look and feel to settings and products using beautiful templates created by world-class designers, and there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code SNELL to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. The Incomparable, number 394, February 2018. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your host, Jason Snell, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about another television series that has just finished its season. In this case, it's Star Trek Discovery, which just finished its first season. Star Trek back on the air. I guess it's off the air now, at least for a little while, but it was it was on the air for 15 weeks with 15 episodes, and we're going to talk about it as a whole. Um, by the way, I should say that if you would like to hear us talk about every single episode of Star Trek Discovery... Um, Scott and a cast of characters, Scott McNulty. Hello, Scott McNulty. Vulcan, hello to you. Hello. I'm so excited to finally talk about Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So Scott and, and me and, and other people have been ha- did a, a TV podcast about Star Trek Discovery this season. Uh, so if you haven't watched it yet, um, we're going to fire off the spoiler horn here for a minute, or in a minute, and you're... Um, you know, you could watch the show. You can binge it now, and uh, and then listen. You could listen to our podcast if you wanted to of the the TV uh, flashcast, um, if if you wanted. But if not, or if you already have listened, well, we're going to talk about the whole season, just kind of the big picture of it here. In addition to my flashcast compatriot Scott, I have four other wonderful people here to talk about Star Trek with us. Erica Ensign. Hello. I am present. I am glad I, your husband was not invited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not as much fun to watch Star Trek when you're sitting next to somebody who's just really not enjoying it that much. He's very grumpy about it. I chose, I, from your household, I chose the one who felt more positively about it. I'm not trying to stack the panel here, uh, but but in that <laughs> case, I not? am. No Steven. <laughs> He's banned. He's banned. Uh, Aline Sims is also here. Hello. I should have figured out how to say hello in Vulcan. Ah, the Vulcan, or the Vulcan hello, the Klingon hello, that's true. Um, And I don't actually know how how Justin felt about Star Trek Discovery. Probably better than Steven. (laughs) Maybe a little. He's not not too excited about it. Interesting. All right, well, the the spouses who don't like Discovery, they're out. Um, That's right. They're just out. Uh, Joe Rosensteel is also here. Hi, Joe. Hi. I feel like we talked about the finale of Star Trek Discovery only days ago, but we're back. This is the post-game show now. Yeah, well, now we can do it right. So. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. right. With some, some thought thought that we've had in the last two days. And Micah Sargent is here. Hi, Micah. Hi, hello. Everything I'm saying is in Klingon, but the Universal Translator has been turned on. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's very uh, good. I, I miss the all-cap serif font already. <laughs> all the subtitles that we missed people overseas by the way people on netflix i think just get regular subtitles but in the u.s we get small caps for all our klingon subtitles by the way we didn't mention this on the on the uh flashcast i did laugh out loud heartily when the last episode of discovery for season one the previously on star trek discovery narration was in klingon with subtitles that they actually had the woman who plays laurel say previously on star trek discovery in klingon that made me laugh i don't know if you noticed that 
it it tickled me. <laughs> like, sure, why not? More yes. subtitles. Oh, yes, that was we funny. need more of that. More more subtitles just to send us out. Sure. Symmetry. All right. Um, Steven, Steven's in the chat room booing us, by the way, so that's cool. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> I think How I think he came in to boo us and then he left again. That's that seems that seems fitting. He doesn't want to actually listen to more about Star Trek Discovery. All right, so Star Trek Discovery season one, a lot to talk about. Fifteen episodes. Uh, before we fire off the spoiler horn for people who may not be watching, I think especially in the U.S. who may have said, "Oh, I don't really want to pay for another streaming service like CBS All Access." I've been thinking about watching. You can get them all now uh, in a binge if you want to like pay them or do a free trial or something you could probably watch the whole show in your free trial if you could take a day off of work or something like that so um i want to talk about sort of like our overall impressions maybe like how did it how did it meet expectations without a lot of spoilers before we kind of jump into the details of it so uh aline let's start with you how how were your expectations met or not with uh discovery you know it's interesting i i don't often think critically about things before they happen. Like, I don't really speculate. Um, Having said that, there is a certain feel that Star Trek has had historically um, that I don't feel like Discovery has. It's darker. um, It's grittier. um, I mean, even more than Deep Space Nine was. So I've kind of struggled with that because I've, you know, the last year has been very tumultuous and um, for me personally, kind of societally. And I was kind of looking forward, I think, without realizing it to something much brighter and lighter and like with more faith in humanity, maybe than than we've been getting. Um, I didn't I didn't dislike it, but I didn't think of it as Star Trek throughout the whole thing. I don't know if that makes sense at all, but it just doesn't it doesn't feel trekky to me. Hmm. Interesting. Erica, what do you think? You know, I really did not have any expectations going into this, but what I got like if I had, I don't think what I got would have been what I expected. So, so it's like I wasn't there. There wasn't anything that I was hanging my hat on, being like, "I want to see this, I want to see that," or "I really don't want to see this or that." But what what discovery turned out to be was not at all what I expected. So I think I kind of, I think I kind of understand what you mean, Aline, when you say that there's like this a Star Trek feeling. But but I having I've watched a decent amount of Star Trek, but I wouldn't call myself like a big Star Trek fan, and I. I think that in a way, what we got exceeded my non-existent <laughs> expectations because I, I think I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected it to. I think I just expected it to be another Star Trek show that I would, I would watch because my friends liked it a lot or that I would, you know, watch part of and then eventually drift away from. And I found myself wanting to come back week after week. Um, I, there were episodes that ended and I was just like, Oh my goodness. And there were some episodes, you know, it's, it's not a perfect show by any stretch of the imagination, but I I just I enjoyed the ride of 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 going through these 15 episodes and seeing how it played out so much more than I thought I was going to that uh that yeah it 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 was not what I expected but it was in some ways better than what I would have expected had I expected anything. Micah, what about you? Uh, Aline actually captured my feelings almost perfectly. Uh I I had that same I I went into it 
expecting whatever the Star Trek feel is. And again, like it's hard to sort of put my finger on exactly what that is. And in watching this show, I didn't get that. This show feels very modern, um, very cinematic in a way that I, f- I feel the older ones did not. And so like anytime I sit down to watch something, um, it's typically like, uh, I watch things on demand. And so it's with a purpose. It's like to, to get a certain feeling out of something. And so watching Star Trek gives me a certain feeling whenever I'm going back. And even if, you know, if it's deep space nine or it's Voyager or it's, it's whatever, they all provide that, you know, that same sort of feeling. And this was a whole different thing. This, the show is almost a challenge to, to watch and to absorb and to take in. And it, it felt like it was, um, uh, yeah, I was like combat every every time I was starting to sit down and watch this, uh, as opposed to just something that sort of I don't know was enjoyable even even at its uh, most harrowing times. So uh, a good show altogether, and the characters were fantastic, but um, certainly not what I expected. A little less comfort food, a little more modern TV drama. There you yeah, go. A little less comfort yeah. food, a little more. Uh, I don't. I don't even know caviar and <laughs> trying to think of what's not comfort food. I don't know. Raw <laughs> <Law> steak. <laughs> sure, whatever is in vogue right now. Some sous vide, something or other. Uh, Joe, <laughs> Joe uh, what? What? How did it? How did it fit with your expectations? Uh, well, first of all, I can't believe I'd be more positive than Aline and Micah. But uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I really had low expectations of the show because there was a lot of press about the tumult of uh getting the show um to exist so i i had a lack of confidence in it because of that and while it is not part of the movie series that's been going on one of the producers was connected to that and the last couple installments of the movie series have not uh wowed me they've they've focused a lot on uh action adventure parts of star trek because there is a uh, a wide palette you can paint Star Trek with, and uh, I, I felt like those were very narrow. And one thing that really surprised me about this series is that it really leans into uh, morality. Um, so it might not have exactly the aesthetics you might expect, or exactly the uh, uh, interpersonal relationships you might expect, but it has uh, definitely a, a moral message that uh, I feel like isn't always there in Star Trek uh, of the m- more modern star treks uh that sometimes it can be kind of light and about uh shoot 'em ups and uh spaceships blowing up uh and i feel like while this does have spaceships blowing up and stuff it, it is uh definitely uh putting characters into situations where they have to think about uh what is appropriate for them to be doing and uh where they fit into um the world with everybody else around them uh and so i felt it had a mostly positive um uplifting message there when you got to that point in the series and i would uh really encourage anybody who might be turned off especially by the initial um darkness uh of of how bleak things might seem if you've if you've just watched a couple of the the first two episodes that uh there there is a point to everything you're seeing and uh, i feel like it's very uh soulful so all right we'll have more to talk about i think about a lot of what you just said but first i want to check in with scott scott of course host of random trek on this very podcast network big time big long time star trek fan what do you think about how discovery sort of fit with your um, initial expectations going into it 
Well, I think the thing that people, especially fans of Star Trek, sometimes forget is how much bad Star Trek there is. Uh, there is <laughs> and when you lot. watch them randomly, <laughs> you, remind, you see the bad yes, episodes. You are reminded uh, very frequently that there are a lot of awful Star Trek episodes out there. Uh, but I still enjoy them because Star Trek, for me, is all about the characters and the interaction between the characters. Of course, there's, you know, the, the message and Star, uh, spaceships blowing up and all that as well um but uh so for that i was hoping that discovery would have characters that i cared about uh and that i found interesting but i was also very hopeful that it wouldn't be the same kind of characters that we have seen uh time and time again because star trek there's kind of a formula for star trek tv shows uh and i didn't think we needed another one of those uh, and discovery does not give us another one of those uh and with that comes good and and bad because i do think it was perhaps uh a little uh, uneven in places even though i do still think it's probably the best first season of a star trek series uh very closely followed by the original series first season um but i do think it's better than the original series first season uh so i was very happy with it uh and i was glad that it was i was worried frankly that it would be just a whole lot of fan service uh so i think it's probably like five percent fan service uh which i think is maybe right <laughs> but we'll see. all right um we're going to i think fire off the spoiler horn right now i mean i'm the one who does it so yes we're going to do that right now <laughs> um but uh but i i i um i also had my i think it beat my expectations too like joe i was concerned about the fact that it was a troubled pre-production process it got delayed many times and in the end um on on balance i think that it exceeded my expectations not not a flawless season we're going to break it down but um i i was very happy with what we got so uh you should check it out I'd like to take a brief break to tell you about one of our sponsors this week. Support for The Incomparable this week coming in part from Squarespace. If you're ready to start a new business, uh, the new year is here. We are in 2018. What are your plans for this year? What do you want to do? You can do it with Squarespace. Squarespace has beautiful templates. They're created by world-class designers. Uh, web designers are brilliant at what they do, and Squarespace has hired a bunch of them, and they've built these amazing templates, and you just get to use them. You don't have to be a brilliant world-class web designer, you get to take advantage of their skill in building your website. You can showcase your work, blog or publish content, even sell products and services, e-commerce. You can do it just a few clicks with Squarespace and you can customize everything from look and feel to settings and products. And it's all optimized for mobile right out of the box. So it's going to look great on a phone. So much traffic comes from mobile now. These templates look beautiful on desktop computers and laptops and phones and tablets. They look great everywhere. Use Squarespace's analytics to help you grow in real time. You can see who's using your site and what they're doing on it. And best of all, there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. You don't have to worry about what server it's running on and what software is running in the background. It's just Squarespace. You just do what you want, and that's it. If you do have any questions, Squarespace has an award-winning 24-7 customer support team to help you through whatever problems you're having. A dream is just a great idea that doesn't have a website yet. You can give it that website. You can make that dream a reality through Squarespace. Of course, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code Snell and you'll get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com, offer code Snell. Thank you, Squarespace, for sponsoring The Incomparable. 
And now we're going to talk about details about what happens in Star Trek Discovery. And you might not want to hear those. So we're going to make the, the, uh, oh, is this a spoiler horn I see or a spoiler phaser? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Hey, Scott, the spoiler phaser came back. That was nice. That was my favorite part. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So great. Uh, All right. So Star Trek Discovery. um, Interesting thing about this season was that it's kind of, you could kind of break it up into, into parts, right? There's this... Um, there's the, the premiere and then there's sort of the getting to know, uh, the discovery crew and captain Lorca, there's the mirror universe arc, and then there's the return and the sort of end of the season. So, so it t- kind of has these segments to the, to the, uh, the season, even though there aren't any, you know, maybe there's one or two that you could argue are sort of like classic standalone episodes, but mostly it's, um, it's sort of told in these arcs. And I wanted to start with the beginning just because I think one of the weird things about this season is that the, essentially the two hour premiere is a story that's set on a different starship with a largely different cast that ends in a really bad way. And then stay tuned until next week to find out what happens next. And, um, I, I mean, I, I think it's an interesting decision. I, I, I like some things about it. They're, they're getting, you're getting to know, um, the Shenzhou and you're getting to know all the characters on the ship. And that actually does pay off later, but it, it did feel to me like a weird decision to start off your first two hours of your show, not on the ship that you're going to be on and not with the, you know, you're, you're just, you're getting to know Michael Burnham, but everything else is just going to be yanked out from under you at the end, which is, I guess, a good twist, but it seems like a really weird way to launch a show. I was curious what all of you thought about it yeah it it definitely caught me by surprise i mean i think just starting out when they're not on the discovery i was like wait a minute i was i was pretty sure that the ship that they were on in this show that i've heard a bit about was was called the discovery and that's not where they are huh uh and and then yeah i i enjoyed the first couple episodes okay but i certainly was not like super on board after that. And it wasn't even just the, you know, the the rug has been pulled out from underneath me sort of feeling feeling at the end of the first one. It was just it was kind of like just what you said, Jason, like I spent this time getting to know these characters even and I knew as it was happening that something was going to change and this was not where we were going to be. So I wasn't really able to emotionally buy in as much as I kind of wished that I could for starting a new show. So while I think that they were, you know, well done, well acted, maybe not entirely well written because some of that dialogue was real clunky in the first couple episodes. Um, but I, I thought they were solid episodes of TV, but they just they weren't they weren't things that I could quite relax into and sink my teeth into because I just didn't have any trust that that, that we were going to stay in that place for very long. And then we didn't. So, we I didn't. mean, nope. bold, bold move, I guess. They were boldly going uh, where no Star Trek had gone before. But I wasn't ready to go with them at the beginning, I guess. I was kind of okay with this. I thought it was an interesting storytelling convention uh, because we, you know, it, it, like Jason had said, we usually get to know a ship and a crew, but... Uh, sort of this season, Michael Burnham is our ship and our crew and wherever she is, uh, everyone around her is, <laughs> is part of it. But, uh, uh, it's, it's a very unique way to look at, uh, it. And we definitely needed to see, uh, what it was that she did that resulted in her, uh, uh, situation for the remainder of the series. 
because uh, that would have kind of been a bummer if we just cut to, you know, her being uh, brought on board the Discovery for being a mutineer. Like, I feel like this does actually serve mm-hmm. a character purpose to see this, especially uh, because we get a few scenes with Shorju, uh, who are all like, oh, wait, oh, that's it? We we only get that much with her? That's too bad. I wish we could see more Michelle Yeoh. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I thought that that worked out really well. And we, we have Saru, who uh, has an existing relationship, and that comes with him to Discovery, and that has ramifications for how he deals with, with her. Uh, so... Uh, all in all, I was in favor of it. However, stylistically and aesthetically, I found it incredibly um, jarring uh, to get into the first two episodes, uh, particularly all of the Klingon stuff um, threw me for a loop, uh, where while I have no quibbles with just making something different um, and updating things or changing things, I, I'm not going to say that they need to look like how they looked in the original series uh, or in The Next Generation or anything along those lines, but uh, I, I will just say that it is a change that you definitely have to get used to, uh, in particular with all of the dialogue that comes at you in Klingon. Uh, and speaking of people that you need to know who you don't really need to know, there's Takuvma. And <laughs> I was, I was so glad to be rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> I was so, I was so excited. You know, I got to, I got to be on the Vulcan Hello before it had a name. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, <laughs> and we, uh, like we recorded, I think, literally five minutes after I finished watching it. And I was so excited. I was excited to have new Star Trek. I've been wanting new Star Trek for how many feels like many, many decades now, you know, (laughs) really since Voyager left Enterprise, I don't want to talk about. Um, So so I was I was super excited. And I was like, okay, this doesn't it doesn't feel like Trek. The Klingons are super weird. I don't think I'm on board with this. One of my favorite things about Worf was his hair. So I have some adjustment to do. <laughs> and, um, and but I was I was still excited. And then I was and, and then it kind of went downhill. And I was like, I I don't know about the show. I don't know if it weren't called Star Trek. I think I'd like it better, you know, as as I discussed earlier. And then the next episode of the Vulcan Hello I got to record was another one where I was like, oh, this is awesome again. And that's how I felt coming out of it too. The last episode, I was like, okay, yes, the Enterprise. I love the Enterprise. Christopher Pike, what you know, uh so <laughs> I don't know. I I I it, it it was really kind of tumultuous for me. I never hated it. Um, but there were definitely slumps where I was like, I'm, I'm not super interested, but those first episodes and, and to get that experience again of being a truck fan watching a new truck show, um, and not hating it like I have the movies, that was pretty great. I think, uh, for me, certainly, I, I, I guess I, I didn't go into it again with too many expectations aside from, uh, expecting it to be Trek. When it wasn't, then it was like, okay, I accept that that's not, you know, it's not making me feel the same way that other ones have. Let's see what this is all about. And so I spent most of my time just sort of bathing in the first, uh, like in the, in the, in the beginning of the season. And that helped me to not kind of, I guess, overanalyze things and worry too much about what it was in comparison to anything else and just see it as a new project and, and what that, um, what that meant. And again, like the characters so quickly for me became these very interesting people, um, that the overall, the overall story and the confusion and, and some of the, the back and forth and, 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 you know, 
dealing with uh, subtitles and things like that didn't affect me uh, too much because I was immediately ready to be in, uh, ready to like jump in and be uh, part of these characters and get to know more about them. So it was good overall. And I think that's because they quickly uh, got you invested in the characters more than the story. Mm -hmm. And I sort of like what Joe said about how our point of view really does follow Michael around and that that plays a role in in how the story is told. Now let's let's uh, maybe talk about the characters a little bit because I I agree Star Trek stands and falls based on the characters and clearly I think the uh, creators of this show agree they want they want to create a uh, an interesting set of characters so we get at at the center is Michael Burnham who we learn is um, connected to Star Trek royalty in the sense that she was raised by Sarek so she's basically Spock's foster sister. Um, and that, that is, uh, interesting, interesting <laughs> choice they made to set this just before the original series and therefore to have those connections there. Um, we also, of course, meet Captain Georgiou, who sadly is killed and eaten by Klingons after the episode, <laughs> second episode. So happens. sad. So, you know, <laughs> what you're going to do, you take it, take your captain and then, then kill, kill her off and have her be eaten by Klingons as, as so often happens in Star Trek. Um, and then you get Saru, the Kelpian, uh, alien, uh, uh, essentially first officer on the discovery. He's the second officer on, uh, on the Shenzhou, um, a bunch of other characters there. We've got, uh, Paul Stamets, the, um, sort of mushroom engineer, theoretical mushroom <laughs> physicist <laughs> Fungus farmer. Fungus man. Uh, We've got Hugh Culber, the doctor on the ship. We've got Ensign, or sorry, not Ensign, Cadet Sylvia Tilly, who is is so low on the totem pole that she's assigned (laughs) to the mutineer as her roommate. Uh, uh, There's there's Gabriel Lorca, the captain, who is super grumpy and has a Dr. McCoy-esque accent and might be hiding something. What? Um... In, yeah, in the bowl and, of fortune cookies. Yeah, and that's, yep, that's right. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you in part by a new sponsor, and it's an innovative shampoo. That's right. It's from Just for Men, and it's called Control GX. Just for Men is all about helping men look their best. They are innovating to deliver smart hair care technology. And what would that mean? How about... A shampoo you can use to reduce your gray hair. Just wash your hair with Control GX and your gray will be reduced. You use it as you would your normal shampoo until you like what you see. It provides subtle, natural-looking results. You shampoo it in, you rinse it out, and you move on with your life. It's that easy. Most guys get the results they want in about two weeks, and then you use it every so often to maintain after that. And I've got a deal for you. Yes, I do. You can get 25% off Control GX by using this code SNELL18, so my name and the year, SNELL18, and go to ControlGX.com. That's it. Code SNELL18, 25% off at ControlGX.com. And thanks to Just for Men and Control GX for sponsoring this episode of The Incomparable. So, uh, quite a collection of including some unusual characters because we don't have a captain as the main character, but we do have these two captains. We've got the sort of like the, the, uh, the fate of Giorgio hangs over Burnham for the entire show. And of course, then there's Lorca, who is, uh, you know, has taken a scientific crew and turned them into kind of a war machine. Um, you've got your your mad scientist uh, who's high on mushrooms. And you've got, you know, there's just, there's a, it, is a, it is a rich set of characters. Although I would agree on one level, you could say it's very much like a Star Trek ensemble. And on another level, not at all. Like you could say, oh, well, Saru, he's like Spock, he's like Data. Is he though? 
Is he really? No. And, no. and and uh, Stamets is definitely not Scotty or any other engineer you could name. So what uh, what what about the, the this rich bowl of characters? If, if there are particular characters that you want to talk about, so like it used to be that Odo was my 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 homeboy, my all time favorite character um, across all of Star Trek. Um, and I know Scott's is Neelix, um, but <laughs> of course. <laughs> but now Saru, like Doug Jones. Fan friggantastic job. Uh, I, I've read some interviews uh, from him, and and he's played lots of uh, creatures, and many times didn't get to play with his own voice uh, as those creatures, and so he sort of served as the the body actor, the the puppet, the puppeteer, while others performed the lines. And here he steps out and just does it all, and I think he does such a fantastic job. And to to play this character that is like. So he sort of, the character reminds me of my dogs in some ways, because <laughs> my, I know that hmm. my dogs are chihuahuas and they have this adorable anxiety about them. And Saru has this adorable anxiety, but he's also incredibly brave, like to, to live with that anxiety and still do the things that he does and to be as competent as he is and also as wise as he is. It's just, I think that uh, the the character itself is a fantastic character, but then also again, like I just I just like have to stop and give Doug Jones his props because he did such a such a fantastic job. So ultimately, Saru sticks out not only because he sticks out because he's so doggone tall and lanky, <laughs> um, which also like that's some bonus points in my heart. Um, but he certainly was has remained my favorite across the entire season, and I think is competing with Odo for like the the mm. special place in my heart. So we'll see as uh, we see more seasons of this. I agree. I think Saru is is already one of the uh, top tier all-time Star Trek characters. Such a as an alien and yet so quirky, so decent. Uh, like decent, decent. a decent That's person. That's a great word, yes. A- an honorable and decent person who who fulfills the ideals of Star Trek. And he is, yes, he is also a weird alien. <laughs> um, and it's just, uh, yeah, just, and, and Doug, you're, you're exactly right, Doug Jones's performance. Like, he's been in so many things where he, his performance is notable sort of physically. And here, he is not only doing this incredible physical performance, but he's really getting, like, amazing character moments while under just a huge amount of makeup it's amazing it's and an amazing Gaga heels and everything <laughs> i know right those heels are he insane walks. i don't mm-hmm. know i don't know either they may he may not they may like have to cut every time he moves <laughs> it just falls over stop motion it's amazing <laughs> he, I, yeah. he really uh one of the things i really appreciate is that one of my favorite scenes in this whole entire series is a speech that he gives um uh, to the rest of the crew and uh y- you get to witness the journey that h- that character had been on from the very beginning where he had doubted himself where he uh was trying to improve where he lacked confidence in the couple of instances where he was put in charge of some things um but he uh has that certainty about what is and is not right and uh really follows through with that i think he's a fantastic character uh and i really appreciate having him on the show and he also plays very well off of uh, Michael Burnham. Um, they initially have a very contentious relationship, uh, and uh, she is, of course, the protagonist. So we're like, oh well, we want our protagonist and and our cool alien to like like each other. We want them to be friends. And then, sure enough, you see that exploration of of the relationship over the course of the series, where it, it goes to a, a really nice place by the end. They're jousting in the first couple of episodes. You're like, oh, you know, it's a little like McCoy and Spock and all that. But her betrayal 
of Giorgio basically spikes that and and Burnham essentially spends the rest of the season kind of having to prove herself to Saru again before he will respect her again and she earns it and you see her slowly earn it to the point where he finally has that moment where he he basically says to her that he appreciates the work that she's done and I think when she gets back on the ship after the after the uh being on the the emperor's ship at the end of the mirror universe storyline he basically says you're the only one who could have done that Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a really special moment in their, in their relationship that she's earned back. You know, she was superior to him and now she is laid low and has to earn back his trust and it matters and, and she does it. And it doesn't just happen in one go. It takes the whole season. And I also like the fact that it's not played as him holding a grudge and her overcoming that he's there's, there's never really any hint of that. It's that it's that she did this thing that made him not trust her for very good reasons. And she simply has to, like you said, earn back his trust. But there's there's not like there's no real rancor there, uh, which I appreciated because I just I like that he is this level headed character who who is just, you know, trying to do the right thing at any given time and is always sort of I feel like he's he's a character who's very open to the universe and to seeing the universe as it is in front of him, like without, without a lot of emotional filters. Um, so maybe, I mean, maybe in a, a little bit of a way, he is kind of Spocky data esque a, a little, but, but not in, in sort of the, the, I don't know, quirky sort of like there, there's no kitsch to it. Like he's, this is just the way his character operates. And I really enjoyed that. Speaking of openness and seeing the universe as it is, uh, flashback to that terrifying episode when he like becomes part of those uh, organisms on the planet and starts running through the forest. And he's Ooh. like, oh, oh, I forgot man. about that one already. He uh-huh. can run yeah. really fast. I think we tried to put that. I put, tried to put yeah. that out of my head, I think, because <laughs> yeah. that was scary. Some it's like, that. oh, dear. Now he's he's got this. And what was so interesting, I think, about that is it's not as if suddenly he became this enraged character that was, I don't know, quote unquote, roided out on this uh, organism or something like that. It wasn't like it, it wasn't as if it wasn't him still underneath everything. It was like it was him, but he had come to terms with something in such a fundamental way that it changed his perspective. And so I sort of liked that he it wasn't Jekyll and Hyde or anything like that. It was still, still him, just a, a different side of him whenever his his um, priorities had changed and he saw things a different way uh so much so that you know whenever he got back to the ship after that was all done like he still remembered it and obviously regretted doing what he did and but but it was all still like something that made logical sense and it, it made sense how he got to that point and wanted to 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 make her stop doing what she was doing. Um, so that almost made it more scary, but it was, it was really powerful, I think. And it was a nice step out. We got to explore Saru, uh, past the, you know, regular, decent sort of follows the rules character and see what he was like unhinged a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Scott, I, I wanted to ask you a question about Burnham herself, mm-hmm. our main character, and the choice they made, not just to connect her to Sarek, but to have, in the, in the beginning of the show, and I really was struck by this by the time we got to the last scenes of the 15th episode, uh, she, you know, she she plays it kind of Vulcan-like, and I, I feel like one of the interesting choices they made is to start her still pretty locked down and then by putting her through the ringer you know one of the things that happens is that burnham kind of like gets 
in touch with her humanity in a way that she doesn't seem to, despite however many years she spent on the Shenzhou. Like, I feel like Burnham at the end is so different and so much more in touch with being like a human being, whereas at the beginning she's much more sort of stiff and Vulcany. What you know? What did you think about like attaching Burnham to Vulcans and to Sarek and and how that you know where that led her character? Well, I mean, I like Vulcans, even though they're space racists, as we all know. Uh, yes. <laughs> and they, they're one of those iconic Star Trek uh, aliens. So uh, it makes sense uh, to to hook Burnham into that. I know some people are upset because of the Spock thing, and they're like, Spock never mentions he has a stepsister. Uh, but of course, he never You know, mentions- I talk about my siblings extremely <laughs> rarely myself, right? <laughs> It's true. And I mean, in what? The original series, uh, he has a brother that he ever mentions to Captain Kirk. And Captain Kirk's like, what? You have a brother? Uh, so Spock, not that open about his family. So I buy that. Uh, but I do think Burnham is a fascinating character. And uh, the moment that I knew Discovery was a different kind of Star Trek is when she did the Vulcan nerve pinch on her captain. And I thought... Starfleet officers do not do this. Uh, <laughs> and yet she was kind of doing the right thing. She was following her, her Vulcan side and logic dictated that you do the Vulcan hello when you meet Klingons and you blow them up because that's how you deal with it. Uh, and in fact, if she had done that, there probably would not have been a Klingon war. So she was right in one sense, but she was completely wrong in another sense, uh, which sets up the whole series so beautifully. And really gives us a glimpse into Burnham's character because she has convictions. We know that. And she's principled as we, they lean very heavily on that in the last episode. Yeah. Uh, she's part, she's pardoned of one of her convictions at the end of the season. <laughs> That's right. Oh, oh Jason. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so I think, and, and, and I agree with you, Jason, that she, uh, certainly becomes much more, uh, open with her emotions uh one imagines because she falls in love with a secret secret klingon uh and then has mm. to deal with that and uh you know the fact that klingons ate her dinner uh but not her parents <laughs> they just killed them they didn't eat them <laughs> uh so she's she's i think she may be one of the most complex characters that we have seen in star trek uh it, given the small amount of time we spent with her right i mean the other characters that we've spent several seasons with and several movies have gotten more and more uh fully grown as characters uh but i feel like she started out much more robust and uh very interesting and in fact the fact that she's spock's stepsister is probably one of the least interesting things about her and i really have to praise uh Sinico martin green's uh performance i was not really aware of her as an actress but uh she nailed everything mm-hmm. um i no complaints i loved her in the walking dead and i was so angry when i found out she left and then i found out she left to be on discovery and i was a little bit more okay with it but <laughs> i i cannot imagine that role being played by anyone else right now she is awesome she's amazing they it's mm-hmm. apparently they uh, they auditioned her and thought she was the one and she couldn't get out of her deal with the walking dead. And I, it's unclear in all the stories about the troubled beginnings of Star Trek discovery, whether other delays 
led to the point where she was available or whether they were kind of like, well, if we delay it a little bit, we could get her. <laughs> but that's what that's what happened is it got delayed enough that they were able to get her and, and, and she was done with Walking Dead at that point and they could hire her. And yeah, that's a that's a, a great performance. Uh, just yeah. She has she has such a tough line to walk too. I mean, because she's not playing a Vulcan, so she's right. you know she she doesn't get to do the thing where she just has has no or very few visible emotions. But she's not playing playing a human either, so she can't act you know as as a quote unquote normal human would on on a show like this. And, and she has to not only balance it, but balance it and very slowly as you said like throughout the course of the whole season you know move from one to another but still not entirely be one thing or the other and i just i feel like she she walked that line very well and and bravo to them for for picking somebody who can do such a good job of emoting without like without doing very much they had there were a, a good number of close-ups on her where it was just her eyes were saying everything yeah. you know tiny mm-hmm. moments tiny movements in her eyes uh that just carried across so much emotional emotional baggage that i'm just like it hit me it hit me just right so i felt like that was a, a nice uh, dovetailing of of the performance and then the direction to really get the most out of that performance and bring your attention where it belongs uh, let, let's talk about Anthony Rapp for a minute um, as Stamets. Obviously, the weird thing about the discovery is that it's <laughs> it's driven by spores. This is this strange idea that they have this spore drive. Just a bizarre idea for a premise of a, of a Star mm-hmm. Trek show, especially, mm-hmm. but really any science fiction spaceship show that there are spores, that there's a mycelial network that ties together all life in all the multiverse and all of that. And one of the things I found fascinating about Anthony Rapp is that when we meet him, he's a jerk. Like, he mm-hmm. is... A, mm-hmm. He is a total him. jerk to burn him. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's a jerk. And then rather than it being like, oh, but then he learns and grows as a person and we get to know him and then we like him. It's more like, no, he like gets his mind blown with space spores. He does and- mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> and it broadens his perspective, man. And then he's yeah. totally different. And it's that's that that uh, I find that really funny. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that was the moment where I was like, oh, I kind of love this guy now that he yeah. can see everything mm-hmm. at once. It's like I see what I, I see where why they made him so prickly at the beginning is because they knew that they were going to mm-hmm. be able to back off of it and when and, and it's such a relief when when Stamets becomes this super chill dude <laughs> like four <laughs> episodes in it's amazing I very famously love pretty much everybody in Star Trek's main ca- cast like people who's your favorite character I have no idea I like them all they're amazing right but I love so many of the characters and I super super did not like him and I know that was on purpose i know it was on purpose and it wasn't until we saw him and hugh together that i was like oh maybe he's not completely a jerk face maybe he's just Mm -hmm. a jerk face at work maybe he's under too much pressure like i i don't know but maybe there's something more more to him than we're seeing unfortunately there is more to him than we saw um and so i'm glad to see that i'm just sad that we lost his partner. So mm-hmm. that was, that was, uh, I have feelings about that. Yeah. I, no. I mean, so obviously, um, this was a, a special moment in, in many ways, like seeing, uh, the same sex couple, um, 
be on Star Trek and be completely uh, free to be who they are and and just like just be a normal couple. It was really cool. Um, and it was there, there was an odd moment where at the end um, when when they were brushing their teeth, uh, I, I like the, the, a bunch of screen grabs showed up all over the Internet um, and. I didn't realize it like in the moment. I was just like, I, I think these characters are really cool. And, uh, then I, I like came to the realization this is a mixed race couple too. And it was funny because, um, like at that moment, I, my, my partner is white and I'm black. And I was, I, I told Shane, my partner, I was like, we have got to go as them for Halloween one year. <laughs> uh, so it was a really kind of cool moment when that happened. And so, when he died, I was like, okay, how is Captain Fungus going to just undo all of this? Like, I'm running through my head, like, how is this not a real thing that actually happened? Yeah, me too. Are we going to zoom out? Mm-hmm. And there's, like, there's got to be something that makes this not real. And so that was really disappointing. And then to have him holding the medal at the end, mm-hmm. I just about lost my mind. That was so sad, but so sweet. I agree. And I, I really liked how they depicted the relationship on screen it wasn't you know anything really outrageous like they're in pajamas uh brushing their teeth uh and you know it's even a moment that they they visit again and then you know say you know this was always uh you know my favorite time with you um and just talking about her days and stuff and they even talk about how they met and how prickly stamets was but mm. uh, for some reason he was drawn to him over an argument over uh, opera um or what was it was the music anyway so mm-hmm. they they uh they they were a good combo and i am disappointed that uh the the fridging had uh occurred with uh culber um i i am you know there's like hints of like oh you never know nobody's really you know stuff mm-hmm. and it's just like i i guess but uh i i, I miss uh i wish that had gone on longer and uh one of the other doctors who we don't need to know the name of could have died <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, it's 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 Here's sad me. and touching and having the medal at the end. It's all very sad, right? But at the same time, it did feel like they were trying to have it both ways. We're like, no, 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 no. We didn't we didn't play into any of those tropes because you you're going to see him again. And yes, we see him again mm-hmm. as a maybe after image or something in a vision in the mycelial network. And yes, it's possible parallel universes. You know, maybe there's something more to it. They'll, they'll maybe they'll deal with in the second season. But all we get in the first season is essentially that he gets a message from his dead partner that sets him on the proper course and then he takes his medal at the end posthumously and you know and that's it that's you know if they if they do more next season that's great but in the end we lost dr culber and uh and stamets you know just gets this extra you know medal to give to culber's family or something i don't know it's 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 i get what they were saying about oh it's a love that it it goes it transcends reality and goes into the mycelial network and all that but in the end is it that different um it was yeah yeah. Even if they find another another version of him in another universe or something like that, that dude that we that we really liked and that Stamets really loved died. He died. Exactly. Unless unless they bring him back somehow out of the mycelial network. And the thing is that when we had that episode where I was like, okay, this is beautiful, and I'm I'm appreciating seeing these scenes and seeing you know Stamets with his with his lover. 
But if they bring him back, I'm going to be annoyed because it's going to feel like a kind of, you know, cheapo mm-hmm. get out of jail free card. And if they don't bring him back, I'm going to be pissed because they killed him. So like they just <laughs> for me, they, they just wrote themselves into a no win situation. So that was that was kind of like one of the big blemishes um, this whole season was, you know, the, the the killing off of I mean, not just a character that I really like, but a black gay character. Come on, guys. What if he was a spore ghost? <laughs> <laughs> time one of the big criticisms uh. of uh, lgbtq plus representation in media is that they like a, a trope is is the the tragic um ending to a relationship or or you know the, the one of the the characters or both of the characters depending on if it's a couple or if it's just one person is struck with some sort of tragedy and so it did feel a little tropish it's like i like i understand characters die and things like that but it was like oh come on like okay this is the doctor it makes sense he was in the room but it, it just kind of sucked yeah <laughs> it, it just kind of sucked um can we talk about Ash Tyler? Because that was a character at the beginning I was just not very interested in. And honestly, like throughout the series, I was sort of internally protective of because uh, I, I I care about Michael and Michael's goals so much. I was like, I don't want you know, anything terrible to happen to this character. And I didn't trust Ash from day one. So why are you, why are you messing with Michael Ash? Um, and <laughs> then of course we, we learned over the course of the season that, uh, there was reason for that. And I think that going into it, I, I wasn't sold on, on the actor's performance either, but uh, during and post our understanding of him being sort of, uh, two creatures at once, I think that he did a good job of handling that. Um, particularly after, um, what's his face was, was extracted. His name escapes me at the moment. Volk. Uh, Volk. Yeah, yeah. Volk. And then also he did, he did a really good job. Like I realized, you know, it's very easy because they're all learning this stuff, but I, I thought that his Klingon was really good. Every time he would do it, I'm like, that's impressive. <laughs> you got to teach me how to speak Klingon. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm curious what other people thought about the performance of Ash Tyler and just the character of Ash Tyler too. I, th- he was so pretty. I, I have to say, like, he just, really? <laughs> yes, he just turned okay. my head okay. so much that I had trouble even focusing on his acting. So I think, I think I let a lot go simply because he was just like, like, <laughs> my boss and I would talk about it every day, uh, every month at work. And we called him our space, we called him our space boyfriend. So <laughs> he's a secret Klingon. Don't do it. He's a secret Klingon. We knew, we, we knew he was going to be a secret Klingon when we were very, well, we, we thought he was going to be, and we were very sad about that. I idea and then he was and we were very very sad about that idea but at least they let him continue to be pretty <laughs> That's That's a lot of surgery went into making him that pretty as that it turns is true. out mm-hmm. i didn't like ash um one of my rare i don't like star- this character moments i didn't like ash i didn't like i'm glad i'm glad he's ostensibly gone i'm sure he'll be back but i was like <laughs> yes i don't have to watch him anymore i didn't i didn't like that storyline i just i i was not on board with ash at all like at all i don't know i i my disappointment with the ash tyler storyline is like we scott and i early on where you know we were tracking the secret klingon thing 
and the fact that they that the Volk in the beginning is played by Shazad Latif and under a fake name because they didn't want to reveal the twist. So he got to be a Klingon even before he got to play a human. So that's why I guess his Klingon was so good. But because uh, he had to go through the Berlitz Klingon intensive <laughs> program or whatever they do for, for Klingon people. Uh, so I, I thought my confusion of it was that they very quickly just have Voke kind of extracted from Tyler and they, and they're like, Oh, he's fine now. He's basically Tyler. It's fine. And that's the part that got me is that like, I wanted them to have the courage to have him be a double agent. And even if he was kind of confused and like felt like he was both people at once or something like that and had to find his own way in the world. But it seemed like the capper of that uh, storyline was that Laurel, his handler, basically, does some stuff with her claws and some lasers. And then she's like, he's fine now. And that was that was my disappointment. I felt like you really wanted to have more of a fallout of like the sense of betrayal and feeling like, you know, the, the guy we got to know isn't there anymore. And I didn't actually ever feel that. They're like, no, 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 it's basically him. And that, that, that was disappointing to me. I felt like I felt like it actually needed more more on both sides because I felt like uh, that I didn't feel like I had gotten to know him well enough and I yes. didn't feel like they spent enough time developing the relationship like I could I could definitely see chemistry between Michael and him but I really did not feel like there was enough time or enough episodes of the two of them sort of slowly coming together to make me really buy that chemistry so I wasn't 100% you know invested in him as a person when we lost him so yeah i i wasn't all that as broken up about it as i as i probably could have been had that been developed better and then yeah they they also just wrapped it up very very quickly i felt like there were a, a number of things that were were compressed and for mm-hmm. in this in this season and for me that was probably the one that i think interpersonally suffered the most because i just you know it's hard to do a love story at all and it's really hard to do a love story when you're cramming it in and in, in just such so few episodes because he's he doesn't even appear for for quite a few and the fallout of that in the last two, three, four episodes of the season, I think, is really difficult because they hang a lot of stuff on your belief that Michael fell in love with this guy and it was a huge thing for her to let her open her heart up. And I get what they're trying to do, but I never bought it. I just, I never felt that connection in the scenes that they had together. Like, they, it just, like, they didn't spend enough time to make me believe it. And there, when they tried to make that payoff, later it was it was too late i it couldn't pay off for me because i never really felt that relationship was that strong i am with you there that's like perfectly put because as i was watching the scene of him you know being all weepy as she said goodbye and was saying you know you got to do this on your own first of all i'm sitting back there like yes this is what you need to have been doing the whole time but secondly i just didn't have that that feeling like there was no it was it was like okay bye uh, boy, bye. See, yeah. I, yeah. I just, he, he never, uh, he never can, I never connected with that character other than when I got sort of, I put my analysis hat on a little bit and, and watched him sort of act and perform as being these, you know, multiple 
roles. And I thought that he did a fine job of that. But other than that, I was like, I don't know. I didn't really need you here at all, to be honest. Mm, I thought the that having him as a secret Klingon was super interesting. My main problem was I didn't understand the point of why he was a secret Klingon. Because mm. he... So they, they make Valk into a secret Klingon. He has to give up everything that he believes in, everything that makes him Klingon, uh, to get onto the Discovery for some reason. Uh, and then Lorel has to try really hard to get on the Discovery so she can activate him into Valk, but he... but And that goes horribly awry, but I don't even understand if she had successfully activated him, what they would have done. Mm. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Back spores. <laughs> a box of spores would have gotten mailed back to Lorel. delivery. And I think that maybe part of my issue with it, and part of the reason I had such a hard time connecting with him as a character, was that they telegraphed the the sleeper agent thing so hard that it was just like, Oh, well he's not going to be around anyway. So I'm not going to, I'm not even going to bother getting invested. That's true. It's hard to get mm-hmm. invested when you figured that he's probably going to be a secret Klingon. And it's not going to, it's yeah. not going to matter. Uh, also it's hard to buy into uh, his relationship with Laurel and, uh, that side of it because we had those weird bits and pieces of like the third and fourth episode where they're like getting junk off of a ship and Cole kicks them off of their ship. And, uh, and all of that, but uh, you didn't really get a sense that there was as much of a bond as you do when they have the music swell and they stare at each other longingly in the brig for several uh, moments in a couple right. episodes. They, had that, they touched hands over the dilithium chamber on the wreckage of the Shenzhou, and that was their whole, that was it. That was the yeah. shorthand we got. A lot of this season for 15 episodes, which by traditional TV standards is not a lot, but by modern sort of streaming or prestige TV is actually kind of a lot. This, I, I, I just get the general sense that maybe they had too much story for 15 episodes, that they either needed to simplify this story or they needed more episodes. And I would have been fine with either. But it does feel like there were a lot of points where this show got let down, not by the ideas, but by the shorthand that they had to do in order to move the story along. I agree. I was thinking before I, we started the podcast that I either wanted several more episodes or two fewer, uh, mm-hmm. because I feel like the last mm-hmm. two episodes didn't really could or the last we could have just ended with the whole Lorca gets disintegrated. OMG, we returned from the mirror universe uh, cliffhanger as opposed to what the the finale a was. whimper yes yeah <laughs> the end especially I didn't I like I, th- that last episode. I, you blink and you miss the sort of turn of of events. Uh, it's like, and it even it shows up in the in the show because uh, Giorgio and um, and Michael are like you know about to argue over a pit or whatever, and then it's like okay now we're moving on past that, and then we're going to bring in the Klingon, and then we're going to say hey you should go talk to those Klingons and tell them you're in control because you can blow up the whole the whole planet, and it's like hold on if I had been looking the other way. To, and that's my fault, maybe, uh, to see why my dog was barking. Then suddenly I've missed the whole, the whole end of the show. And it's like, oh, now we're back on planet Earth and we're like, we're seeing Michael, uh, give this great speech. What happened? How many hours of Klingon subtitles did we get in the first four episodes? (laughs) And in the end, all that Laurel does is like show her iPad and say, look, I have a bomb. And they're like, okay, done. Right. And it's like, I wanted, it was just the imbalance was, enormous and and yeah i agree i feel like episode 13 would have been a great way to end the season and have you be like oh geez what's going to happen next and instead it was like they had more than two two hours of story left and they decided they just wanted to get over 
with it and just like get on with it and finish it and and it's and it's uh it's it's too bad because i feel like the there was a, a period in there when we were talking about this on the flashcast scott that there was a period in there where every week i was saying this is the best episode yet and, and like every week for like five or six weeks it was the best episode yet and i feel like when they had that climax of the plot in the mirror universe where there, there's like episode like 12 and 13 that it plays like a movie like after all of this setup there suddenly is all this action the stakes are super elevated because they are in enemy territory the most enemy of enemy territory felt way more dangerous than being on the klingon home world which was just <laughs> like they were at camp and it was like super intense and then so well done like well done and if you'd asked me after 13 weeks how i felt about discovery i would say this season had a few issues but i would say it's an you know a, a, a huge success and then they had the last two episodes and i'm like well except for the last two episodes <laughs> yeah did not stick that landing it's too bad it's too bad because because it did get so good in the middle and and in the in the climax of the mirror stuff like that was really well done and then it just came off that that high and you said something on the Flashcast uh, last weekend when we were talking where you theorized that maybe this was because of contract negotiations with Michelle Yeoh, like they need to make sure that they can have her if they're going to have the cliffhanger of her beaming back over onto the ship. Uh, you know, if you can't get her back the next season, then that's going to be a mess. So uh, I, I I have to think that maybe that did play some part in this because there there was no reason to rush these two out there. There's no reason why we needed to see the end of the Klingon War by the end of the first season. We didn't need to put a cap on all this stuff. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a downer. It was a little frustrating. I, I honestly, I was I was going into the the last two episodes wondering sort of how this was going to play out, and I very much enjoyed the scenes of them um, walking around with the the pirates and the bandits and and all that jazz um, because uh, that that was just. It was sort of a step outside of, um, the, this very focused, very cinematic, um, storytelling and more of a, it felt like old school Star Trek kind of feel mm-hmm. where we get to, to, you know, run into some, some alien life and experience that. And it was almost Doctor Who-ish in a way. I just like, I like that sort of grab baggy sort of feeling that that had where we just get to see a bunch of different things and how the individual characters react. And I'm a little sad we didn't talk more about Tilly back when we were talking about characters because I that was Tilly. I was just going to bring her up too. I'm going to bring, bring us back around because we're not going to go without talking about Tilly and about Lorca. But um, Micah, I agree. I like the setting of that thing. I'm not sure I buy like that it was in the Klingon homeworld, but you know mm-hmm. whatever that but was it was weird, I, yeah. I like star trek i think star trek does not do enough of the scuzzy underbelly of society yep. in the star trek world mm-hmm. occasionally they do it but you can almost call out when they do it and so i thought that was really fun like and they use the orions which from the very first pilot like they had the orion dancing girls so here they've got dancing girls dancing guys they've got like all sorts of they've got like space whale sticks that you can buy <laughs> there's like lots of like weird stuff going on in the underbelly of this society society i thought that was interesting it's just unfortunately that the plot around it was just happening kind of quickly and kind of confusingly um because that was fun like this show i think this show is it never really looked bad like you can see the money they spent you could see the kind of fun ideas they had it was more the rushed aspect of it um because i i it's good to mention that i i, I really liked I, I liked i'd like to see more of that kind of weird part of star trek like the weird 
places we don't normally go. And, and you know, uh, Tilly, speaking of Tilly, mm-hmm. you know, Tilly <laughs> ends up uh, breathing in some volcanic ash or whatever and passing out because Clint Howard is a very bad man. <laughs> you know, even, bef- even before that, I think as, as, as whimpery as I felt like the, the last episode was, I, I wanted to give it a, a, a bit of a pass simply because I really liked seeing Tilly interact with the emperor because just <laughs> yeah. like how excited she is to meet Philippa mm-hmm. Giorgio at first and then just the the very uh, quick turn and then she fi- figures it out yep and mm-hmm. then she tries to do the imperial salute and they're like no 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 don't do that no don't so perfect don't just don't Tilly mm-hmm. so Mary Wiseman Tilly what a surprise when she gets introduced you're thinking okay this is a zany comic relief character and like she's so great on so many different levels she is funny she's super smart she's like uh stamets's number one assistant essentially because she is so smart Uh, she's got emotional maturity um even though she talks a lot and she's got lots of quirks she also like really like gets what michael is going through and becomes a good loyal friend to her like that this is the beauty of a lot of these characters um and i think why the characters on this show work is like tilly could be one note and she's not she's not even two notes she's got like five or six different aspects to her character and they all get play to the point where you feel like you know who tilly is and she's more than just any one you know quick sketch of a character and like and i love her like do we love tilly i think she's so great yeah Yeah. she's my favorite she's my favorite too there's a great moment in the finale that kind of talks to her because you know you the first couple episodes she kind of comes off as someone who perhaps is oblivious to other people's emotions and that's not true at all and in the finale she so they're going down to meet orions and ash tyler and uh burnham are walking down the hallway together and tilly very purposefully just squeezes herself Uh between them and i just thought that was Mm -hmm. a perfect little uh summary of how far Mm. tilly has come in her relationship with burnham and uh just showing that she is not she understands what's going on and she is looking out for her friend uh because ash tyler is no good And she points it out, like, and so she does that, which is a great, great moment on screen. And then later, um, she specifically says to mm-hmm. Michael, you know, this can't be easy for you. I've got your back. And just like the look that those two characters exchanged after Tilly said, I've got your back was just like, it said, it said so much more than, than a whole another scene would have done. It was just, it was perfect. Uh, Lorca. We should talk about Lorca. Lorca, the un... You know, I I got to a point a couple episodes before he got disintegrated <laughs> where <laughs> I thought, you know, there's no way he can stay on the show. Jason Isaacs uh, certainly only signed to do a season. I Like, knowing outside of the show, like, who Jason Isaacs is, he's probably only committed to one season. I don't see how the, this character is going to be able to get out of this. But, and I don't trust a single thing. Like, the whole time I'm watching Lorca, I'm like, I don't trust a single thing this guy does. <laughs> but I loved watching him. I loved the performance. I loved how weird Lorca is where because I felt it. Like, I felt the moments where he was, like, super inspiring and then the next moment you're like, who is this guy? Yeah. I don't trust yeah. a word he says it's just i i think as and and people criticize they're like this is no star trek captain we've ever seen it's like yeah that's the point that's the but, point. but 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 I, but i think it was a legitimately like great character and great performance so i i'm, I'm curious what you think about Lorca. it turns out yes he's from the mirror universe after all one of our other bits of wild speculation was true but like he he before we even learn that it's very clear that he's like he wants people to owe him and be like in his like he saves michael 
and the idea there is she now needs to be loyal to him that that he, this is what he's done with all of discovery and i don't know i i was fascinated by it i i had that moment where i knew he wouldn't be around and i just thought to myself i'm gonna miss him when he's gone he has to go but i'm gonna kind of miss him because just i think a great just a great character i'm right there with you i spent the entire season until the big reveal trying to figure out what his deal was <laughs> right because he was so i you know, in in a show in a show that does not feel Star Trekky, he was super not Star Trekky, and I was like, "What is your motive? Like, it's a science ship, it's a discovery, you know, called the Discovery. Like, what is your deal? Because there's a lot of moral, not like ambiguity, but just like morality is." off the board with this dude so often and I couldn't figure it out until you know the mirror universe reveal and I was like oh yeah that makes sense I haven't had a chance to rewatch this series or this season I'm turning British um, but I have a feeling that rewatching it post that reveal is going to be a really kind of fun enlightening experience I'm going to notice more about him than I did the first time when I was just trying to puzzle him out yeah I think that I was off balance with him uh, and I didn't know where it was going to go other than he wasn't going to be on the show at the end of the series uh, season. But I had theorized that uh, we'd be in a situation where Michael would need to betray uh, him because he's so obviously unhinged and she'd need to do the right thing and that would redeem her and like that would be the arc and I just mentally had thought that that's where it was going to go and it's like no he's from another <laughs> he's from another universe <laughs> and he's evil it's like okay well I still don't trust him but uh, it was, that, was, that was a fun <laughs> little mystery right there uh, but uh, y- and you, you get to enjoy some of that uh, I think in his performance where he's obviously um you know, he's given some interviews where he says he knew the whole entire time that he was from the mirror universe. And so he was having a blast, uh, because <laughs> he, he, I know something he, you don't know. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, but, uh, but he had to play, uh, in all of the interviews that he was doing for press, uh, up until the point, uh, that the mirror universe reveal happens that, that he was totally, uh, Starfleet captain. And that's just how Starfleet captains can be sometimes. Uh, and, and so I, I really, I really enjoyed that. And, uh, I thought once we got to the mirror universe, it was fairly obvious that uh, it was his fault, and it took everyone else way too yeah. long to figure that out. But it was gave him enough time to uh, get himself into place for his his big dramatic uh, uh, moments right before his death. And uh, I thought that was that was a lot of fun. You can actually see if you and people did this because it's the internet uh, in the end of into the forest I go episode, the last episode before the sort of mid season break. You can see on the readout on his um, panel on his captain's chair that the last jump has been overridden by Lorca. Um, And I give them credit for, even though they knew that somebody would freeze frame it and say, ah, I think this is part of the conspiracy. They, they put, they showed it. So when that pays off three episodes later, it's like, yep, that was there all along. It was there. You can go back and look. And they, they did play fair with that, that, that everybody else was like, does this mean what I think it means? And the answer was, yeah, I, Mm -hmm. I I mean, before we kind of wrap this up, I I wanted to ask about the ending of the season, but before I want to do that, I wanted to ask about the twists because I think one of the things that happened in this season that, uh, um, was interesting was there were a bunch of twists baked into the plot and I, I could see how one of the criticisms of the season could be that they relied a little bit too much on these big plot twists because even Scott and I with the, we, we were on board with the secret Klingon the whole time right it's like okay mm-hmm. that's cool it's an actor who, who, who doesn't exist it's because it's actually this other actor and they're going to reveal that and won't that be interesting um, but the mirror Lorca thing was like really are they going to do that I mean it's an, a fun theory but are they going to do un 
another twist and then with the, with the emperor it's like well okay i guess that has to be giorgio but that's going to be another twist and they did the, all the twists that were predicted all of them happened so uh I, did they overly rely on these big shocking plot twists uh, you know that that uh like you know like westworld did with with its big plot twist not going to get into what it was but like it seems like a lot of shows are sort of baking in these big plot twists because they want to be part of the the uh, conversation and i i did it serve discovery to have these big twists or was it kind of over egging the uh the pudding here i'm turning british too now Uh, to me i think uh that was perhaps one of the things that made it feel so again cinematic and and unlike trek that i was used to um and of course like that didn't come until later so it's not as if you know it kicked off that way and i felt that but it it was one of those things where i think sometimes it can be if if we do too many twists then it's like what are you trying to hide behind like do do you think that these characters and and the stories that you're telling aren't interesting enough that you have to leave your your audience mouth agape uh at the end of practically every episode um because i I get needing to do things like cliffhangers but yeah there there were quite a few twists and so many of them predicted and i think it was a little much um that said i didn't like i didn't hate all of them even the ones that i didn't immediately guess um it was still sort of fun but i think that's like eating cotton candy and eating a lot of it while you're like at a at an amusement park later on your stomach is sick and you should have just had the regular old peanut butter sandwich which would have not given you that stomach ache <laughs> maybe some popcorn yeah, yeah. so very it was a little bit of protein yeah, I think yeah. This is Micah had a very sense, serious right? problem at an amusement park once let's not even get into it he should have had the peanut butter sandwich we all there agree now there was no twist folks it was just bad <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I loved the twists. I loved each and every one of them. Um, I, 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 when I, tr- when I try to turn off my brain a little bit, I can do a decent job of not guessing what is coming. I can just sort of relax and watch something and enjoy. I mean, in this case, I, I kept talking about this show with other people. So I heard a lot of the possible twists that might be coming up, but I still just was just like, you know what? Maybe they'll happen. Maybe they won't. I'm not going to let that the the existence of twists or not uh, affect my enjoyment of the show and i really didn't and then when they came and i was just like that's exciting that is that's a fun thing i don't i don't necessarily think that uh, that putting a plot twist in is either a better or a worse choice than than not putting it in in any given situation uh, i think it's just you know what is going to appeal to you as a viewer or as a writer who's putting the, the show together and to me totally appeals so i don't think it was i don't think there's any they were necessarily trying to hide anything i think it was just that's just the story that they they set out to tell um was was one that had a lot of zigs and a lot of zags and i love stories with zigs and zags Mm. so i was i was i was digging it i gotta agree uh i i usually sometimes i can roll my eyes at some plot twists because it's just like okay so you didn't really have anything here but i felt like they had something here because while uh, I could guess some of them, like obviously Ash Tyler, uh, I think everybody figured that one out before it happened, but, uh, uh, you couldn't always guess what the ramifications of the, re- of the reveal would be, uh, necessarily. And 
Uh, I do think that it is definitely a tool in the writer's uh, toolkit uh, of modern series to end on a big, important thing happening. And, oh, God, we got to come back next week. We got to tune in next time. Uh, we got to keep going. Uh, that, you know, you can see on almost all uh, prestige TV shows uh, that have a, a, a drama element uh, to them, uh, even, you know, stuff like Stranger Things. So I, I'm really on board with what they were doing because I felt like most of the time it, it worked in a way that uh, I, I, I could get behind, um, e- even if uh, some things happened slower than others. Uh, it, it ultimately went uh, in a positive direction. Yeah, I, I I'll agree with that. I think that's I think that's right. I I think the twists are fun, and I like the idea that the long game of this show was essentially what if this whole story was about somebody from the mirror universe getting accidentally thrown in ours, and how would they work it so that they could get back home and fulfill their evil ambitions and it turns out that's what we were watching uh with Lorca but we didn't know it and I think that's kind of fun since we usually have our characters go into their universe and and we got the uh we got the reverse of that and that was uh that was kind of fun how how do people feel about the ending I mean we've we talked about how the last couple episodes were a bit of a disappointment coming off of the high of the of the mirror universe and kind of rushed um the very end first off we get that moment where Burnham gets um gets her her commission back she gets pardoned because she stopped the war and she was really nice and they thought okay maybe the mutiny it wasn't so bad um and then (laughs) and they're gonna go pick up a captain somewhere else on vulcan perhaps and uh but then all of a sudden the uss enterprise appears and that's the end of the season interesting choice i i think a lot of us were betting on the spore drive taking them some other crazy place at the Mm -hmm. end of the Mm -hmm. season and instead what we get is this uh this uh moment of well what will happen now that they've met the enterprise a little bit before the original series it's captain pike instead of captain kirk but mr spock is supposedly on that ship um how about that how, how where where how do you feel about where we left the show and uh and then we'll talk about maybe where it'll go next i didn't see that twist coming mm. <laughs> i feel like it was a little too neat um but I, I don't know i feel like it it's like, oh, yeah, we, we set up this big, huge thing, and now we're wrapping it up, and here's the pretty bow and Enterprise. And I, I don't know. It just, it felt like they were, they were, and maybe it'll continue, but it felt like they were setting us up for, for something bigger, something more, I don't know, like DS90 story arc happening across seasons. Um, but this, this just felt really, really packaged. And, and maybe it's because they didn't know how people would respond to it and they wanted to leave it in a nice place without any cliffhangers. I, I, I don't know, but I didn't dislike it, but it did feel just a little bit more wrapped up and more quickly than I anticipated. Yeah. Like there's so much of this the season that was like about spore drive and the ramifications of that and where it could possibly go as a storytelling thing. And then uh, in, in a line of dialogue, Oh yeah, we're not going to use that because uh, Starfleet's not comfortable with the biological component. And then we'll just uh, figure it out sometime later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the end. <laughs> and he's all smiley about it too. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's how it ends. That's why we don't see it later is because they're like, Oh, this isn't worth it. I don't know. I imagine it will come back the moment that they need it. But yes, mm-hmm. it was that was they wrapped a lot up here just so they could get to the the end point. I didn't think that the final episode was 
very uh was a high point of uh the season because of all the reasons that we've talked about but i will say that i had unabashed joy at the last kind of minutes when uh they're like oh we have this distress call coming in uh, what could it be let's slowly reveal the call <laughs> sign of the this mystery ship that will appear ncc seven interesting interesting uh and then it's the enterprise of course and i was just like that's fantastic. I love every moment of this Enterprise Discovery being together. I don't care if it doesn't make any sense. I am just happy that it's happening. And I think that the writers were just like, people do not think we're going to do this. So let's just mm-hmm. have them meet the Enterprise and we'll figure it out next time we meet what they're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in the era, this is this is uh, the, the Christopher Pike era. And, you know, other than Spock, we don't really know anything about anybody who's on that ship so it does give them a little bit of freedom to they could make christopher pike a car- a recurring character like Sarek is a recurring character and uh that would be fine right like i think they could do that and i mean christopher pike's less uh of an experienced understood character than Sarek is so they could certainly do that if they wanted to and there's you know what if they did this is a show with so many great women characters what if we meet uh number one who was pa- played by great. Rachel barrett in the original pilot and who is supposed to be like brilliant first officer um incredible scientific mind like that's a that would be a fun character to see the modern interpretation of that character too like uh, the only question is like do you see spock do they recast spock another time do they back a you know truck full of money up to zachary quinto's house to get him to appear in an episode <laughs> or which, is spock just not on board at this point for some easy he, reason he's gone yeah. somewhere well i i actually wonder if the storyline and the reason for the distress call at the end is that something has happened to spock oh, and so he ends spock. up being like a MacGuffin, <laughs> and it's, it's the search for spock i know right they've never done that before no. what could go wrong <laughs> Scott, I'm with you, though. I, I had that just moment that I, I didn't believe that they were going to actually do it. I'm like, really? Are they going to do it? And then they go, they do that. They, they play the fanfare from the Star Trek theme, mm-hmm. the original Star Trek theme. The camera pushes through the view screen of the Discovery all the way out, and you see the Enterprise coming at you. You see the two ships together, and it's like, now we're going to play the original Star Trek theme, which they re-recorded just for the end credits of the last episode of Discovery, and they're like, we're out of here. And it's just like, I love, I love every minute of that, and I don't don't know what they're gonna do i don't know if they know but it was fun to (laughs) see it audacious yeah it really was and i'm okay with the idea that it wasn't like oh boy here we go again kind of cliffhanger instead it was like more of these like huh that was unexpected what will happen next and then like it's a different after so many twists this season maybe this was okay to like not have it be quite yes we we feel like the crew is together saru is feeling more comfortable in the captain's chair even though he's gonna have to give it up as soon as they get to Vulcan for unnamed captain yeah, yet to, to be that. cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, right? I, I feel like uh, like Saru has uh, has earned maybe uh, a captain's rank somewhere. But um, yeah, yeah. But it was fun. It was still fun, and uh, maybe maybe it was enough of with a plot twist. Maybe we didn't need more. I agree with you there. Like I think that uh, I was happy certainly whenever it was it was. I, I didn't mind that bow. Um, I think like that that bow at the end of a at the end of two episodes that were a bigger bow, as I continue to talk in weird metaphors, um, that was the problem that I had, was we had these gigantic bows behind this very tiny one, where everything, as we've talked throughout this whole um, episode here, like 
uh, they wrapped up everything so quickly before. And so by the time we got to the end, I was like, okay, I'm okay with this because this is much better than, again, doing something where we've got another twist. And uh, then yeah, it just I, I think that that would have been sort of exhausting almost. And it's like, <laughs> it, we just look at the camera and say, come on. So this was this was uh, okay by me. So before we go, one last question for all of you, which is, Anything I t- we started with expectations and how they were met or not met this season. I'm curious if you've got any expectations for season two. Anything you'd like to see? Anything you're hoping to see? It doesn't have to be predictions so much as sort of like things that you would like. In uh, prob they're shooting it starting in April. It's probably not going to air until either the very end of this year or more likely the very beginning of next year. But um, what are your what are your thoughts? Your hopes? Things you're interested in for season two of Discovery, Erica? More of the crew. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we get like a few lines from from different people. Like I know, I know the name of Detmer, like the the chick with the the metal on on her face and the different eyes. And then you know, there's the robot android lady who makes a Arium. like whirring We've sound never heard when she her stands name. up. Yeah, and they've said at various points the producers have said she's mm-hmm. a robot or a cyborg or mm-hmm. an alien or a human. And oh nobody my. really nobody knows. They've never said her name out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, and the black more. woman who we got more care characterization from in the mirror universe uh that we did in the prime universe like i would just i would just like to to see more of them and i feel like that would that would sort of bring in a little bit more of that that star trek feel mm-hmm. right that, that we don't always yes. get i mean it's uh, honestly the the word that comes to mind when i think of that feeling is cozy <laughs> like i just feel sure. like there's this cozy relationship between way to put it. all of the characters and we don't have that coziness based on this season and i would like to see us move from the realm of the dark and gritty into the realm of the dark and gritty and cozy a little com- more more camaraderie i feel like i feel like the moment that that um it it started heading in that direction is saru's speech that he gives right at the end of the mirror universe arc to them and they're all mm-hmm. in the spore chamber together and they've calculated out that they're not going to survive and he says he, he could easily have been like well we have to sacrifice our lives and he says like no we're going to figure it out we're going to be fine i don't sense death coming for us today uh see that's how you know the kelpians would make good captains is they can play that i don't sense death coming <laughs> card all the time right they start wearing like collars that go up above that area so they can- <laughs> <laughs> just don't even don't let them see your ganglia pop out. Uh, but that was the moment where I was like, oh, look, they're coming together as a crew. And we've seen a lot more of them after that moment. So I feel like the mm-hmm. show knows that they need to go in that direction and that we need we need more attachment mm-hmm. to those uh, secondary characters. They've been shot sort of as if we know them better than we do. We've, mm. we've gotten a lot of reaction shots mm-hmm. and, you know, close-ups on people who we really don't know that much about right. in, a, in, a, in a way as if, like, the people who are making this show clearly have ideas about who these people are, and we aren't quite in on them yet. Yeah, like, sometimes they have those shots where it's like, oh, we're so surprised about Captain Lorca's order, we're going to show our, our shocked eyes right now. The robot <laughs> lady it. is blinking, or, ro- or cyborg, or alien, mm-hmm. or whatever she is. She's blinking. <laughs> we know that. Yep. <laughs> All right, so more, more, with the, uh, more with the other members of the crew getting to know mm-hmm. them now that we've killed off various captains uh aline <laughs> do you have any uh any things on your on your expectation list your hope list um no i mean this was really unpredictable for me if you had asked me what a star trek show would be like this is not what i would have come up with right and so i kind of feel like this is another show where i'm just along for the ride i'm with erica i absolutely i'm all about characters in books and in my 
movies and TV shows. I want to know about the characters. I don't care about the fight scenes. I don't, I want to know about people. And I'm really hoping, just as she said, that those people who the cameras are acting like we know them, the direction is acting like we know them. I want to actually know what their names are Hmm. and know what they're like. And I'm hopeful. Um, I also want more, more Tilly. If, you yeah, know, if we could just here. have like the Michael Burnham and Tilly show, that would be pretty mm. awesome. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I, I want the Tilly and Stamets show. Just them. <laughs> They're just swearing down in the spore chamber. <laughs> George, Mira Giorgio is still out there. Yeah. yeah. She's fine. I just wanted her to die so bad. I know. <laughs> really? But, but I think yes. they just, I think they just decided they wanted to keep her around as mm-hmm. a possibility. We don't know what happened to Prime Lorca. They're like, oh, he probably died. Yeah. Well, we didn't see it. We don't, we don't know what happened Mm-mm. to Mira, Mira Burnham. We don't have any proof of that. And I'm going to I'm going to throw this out here. Who's to say that they killed Captain Killy when the uh, Klingons blew up the mirror <sighs> discovery? Just saying, I, 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 I predict we'll, we'll have at least one kind of mirror universe reversal <laughs> yet to come because they won't be able to help themselves. Mm-hmm. They just can't resist it. Yeah. Not to mention the green spore uh, that we saw. Oh, yes. the tight oh, yes. on. It's like mm-hmm. that. That was from the mirror universe. It's a bad green spore. spore on Tilly. That is mm-hmm. that it's is not. Spore. I feel bad about that because they're going to have to have something where Tilly is possessed or something. And that's going to make me sad because yeah. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. It's but they got to do that now. Maybe it's maybe it's. um uh, Dr. Culber somehow and that's Maybe. how they get him out of being dead the green spore <laughs> yeah the green yeah, spore again spore ghost spore ghost <laughs> it's the get out of death free card ghost yeah. in the spore um, I think I would like to see more Saru of course uh, like that's oh, a yes. given uh, I, like <sighs> some more off the ship stuff for him and actually for all the characters um in the second season there there's less battles with the klingons that happen on ships and that kind of deal and more let's and like even whenever they go other places a lot of times it's just going on to other ships let's touch down on some planets let's crawl around a lot more uh hmm. let's do more of crawling gr- Crawling, crawling on planets, planet more crawl. of those grab bag elements, like the the one that I was talking about earlier. I think the that would be a lot of fun because it gives. Again, I, I think ultimately what it boils down to is we all would like to see more of these characters. <laughs> totally. Uh, and just to add on top of that, I would like to see more uh, relationships uh, between these characters. That we and to sort of mend and explore whatever is going to happen with. Stamets going forwards, whether that is uh, Greenspore, Dr. Culber has been put inside of Tilly and then they have to extract and restore him to a body or something and then they're back together again brushing their teeth, whatever. Just uh, do, do something, sort that out. Uh, I, 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 I want him to be happy, but not... Uh, I, I don't like... I, don't, I just didn't feel comfortable with the way they ended things uh, with with that and I would, I would like to have some more closure on on that next season. Scott, any, uh, any wish list items from you? I will echo the sentiment of more learning more about more of the characters. I also don't think this is going to happen, but I think it would be very funny if every episode uh, Discovery had a new celebrity captain. Just why not? I like the fact that Discovery, uh, we're in this time. I know some people don't like that it's a prequel to TOS, but I like it because you Starfleet is still trying to figure out 
what Starfleet is, right? And so I feel like this mm. whole season was talking about, you know, is Starfleet really as principled as it thinks it is, or is it just ready to throw those aside at a moment of weakness? Uh, and the whole idea that these mirror universe characters can just so easily come in and masquerade, uh, and kind of subvert the principles of Starfleet is troubling. Uh, and I hope they explore that more in the next season because I think that's a really interesting, uh, vein of, uh, storytelling and kind of figuring out how did we get from discovery to TNG, uh, you know, because I think that's that's just very interesting to me. So hopefully they, they look at that a little bit more. Yeah, I, a lot of discussion um, in our uh, incomparable Slack about the issue of the being it being a prequel. And, you know, my feeling is just because something's a prequel doesn't mean you have to spend all your time wallowing in continuity, right? Like, if you think about TOS and how the whole premise of Star Trek was Strange New Worlds, Right, that we've never been to. We're out on the edges of of uh, of where we're exploring. Um, there's space is big, right? Like you could do a show set the same time, roughly as the original series, where you didn't wallow in continuity and you were just out on the edge, learning new things, and that would be fine. Like you you don't have to even as a prequel, you don't have to make it about Star Trek. It can be just about exploration and characters and things like that so i i I think they can't resist as the last scene of this season suggests (laughs) spending some time with continuity but i'm hoping that that will spring them off in some interesting directions and that would be that would be nice to see i I would say actually i'd like to see some more episodes that feel a little more standalone i like the Mm, overall story arc but like i really like the time loop episode and that was the one that felt most like classic star trek because Mm -hmm. it was telling its own story in the context of the story arc instead of it just sort of being the next hour of a of a 15 hour story yeah it's it's very similar to cause and effect uh but uh, with a fun twist yeah because stamets is there and he's he's had lots of mushrooms and so he can see everything (laughs) all right well uh star trek discovery will be back but that won't be for a while now and maybe they'll make a blu-ray of it at some point too who knows but uh you could binge it if you haven't seen it um Mm -hmm. because it's all out there now all 15 episodes all right i'd like to thank my guests for being here this was fun to break it down and send off discovery out of its first season and onward to who knows what's going to happen next captain pike's out there with a distress call uh joe Steele, thank you so much for being here thank you you can't see it but i'm doing a terran salute for you oh good excellent uh micah sergeant uh will i'll spare you the vulcan hello <laughs> thank you good to be here uh, aline sims uh i uh i got you this plant it's green because it's from that scary plant planet where uh saru turned bad <gasps> oh why thank you jason i'm sure it, you'll be fine <laughs> erica ensign thank you for being here uh, thank you jason i will take your hand oh how nice and scott mcnulty uh, it was a pleasure to walk through all 15 of these episodes with you week by week on the Flashcast. Um, thanks for being here tonight. I feel like now I can reveal uh, the big twist. Oh. I'm not a Star Trek fan. Mirror <gasps> um. <laughs> Universe! Star Wars forever! <laughs> oh, <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> this clean-shaven Scott on the line. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. Well, and I've been your host, Jason Snell. I would like to thank everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. And I'd like to remind you that if nobody else in the room is a secret Klingon, that means you are. (gasps) Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.